Welcome to the Stuttgart Missional Community Church Sermon Podcast. SMCC is a multicultural church serving the English-speaking community in Stuttgart, Germany. For more information or to contact us, visit us on the web at smcchurch.net. That's smcchurch.net. So um, the context before we get into Ruth chapter 1 is this is during the time of Judges. So like last Sunday, Pastor Matt preached on Samson, and so we've been going through the book of Judges, and now we're out of that and jumping into Ruth. So it's in the same kind of time span in the Bible, right? And so Naomi has, um, there was a great famine in Israel. She's an Israelite and has a husband and has two sons, and they end up leaving Israel because they want better food or whatever, um, and they move to Moab, a place called Moab. And while they're there, her two sons get wives, they're two Moabite women, and they're there for about 10 years living together. But during that decade, roughly a decade, she, Naomi loses her husband, and the two daughter-in-laws, one of them being Ruth, loses her husbands as well, right? So Naomi's lost two sons and her husband at this time, and that's what kind of brings the context of where we will begin in Ruth chapter 1, um, starting at verse 6. So it says, Then she arose with her daughters-in-law, to return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. We're going to jump to verse 16. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. So the things I want us to focus on um, during this sermon is, is basically we're going to talk a lot about God's perfect love. And we're going to start with how God's perfect love is steadfast. And if you look at Naomi, who she moved from Israel to Moab, loses her husband, loses her son. Um, she has this mindset of that she is lost God's favor. I mean, it specifically states that, that she thinks God has stopped giving her favor in that. I mean, she's lost people, position, she's lost property, um, and, and I feel like we all have those moments, if not you're going through it right now, or you've had it, or you will have it, those moments that seem to crush you, um, or are meant to crush you at times, and, and can send you down a terrible spiral if you're not careful and you don't trust God. And I think, for me, the, the, the first one that hit me in my life was when I was about 14 years old, and my parents decided to get a divorce. And at the time, we, we, before, a year before they got a divorce, we'd stopped going to church completely, right? So we weren't Christians, but our lifestyles did not reflect that, right? And so we, we claimed to believe in Jesus, but our language didn't match up, or the way we lived, how we treated people all the time, that didn't match up. So eventually when they, they decided to divorce, it, the little faith that I thought I had, just I was done with it. 
And I just basically, instead of clinging to God and trusting him that everything was going to be okay, and it, I, instead I was like, I don't, I don't want anything like this, and just completely rejected it. And I'm thankful that Naomi did the exact opposite. And I think it's really important to recognize that. That, I mean, she lost her husband and two sons, right, on top of everything else. And instead of, why have you forsaken me, God? It's, okay, well, guess what? I'm still going to follow you. I will still serve you. And that was just, that leaped off the page to me. Even so much that she goes back to Israel because she knows God is blessing Israel there. There's food there, so she's going to go. And I think that's such an important characteristic about a faith-filled believer is that she didn't let her situation determine her identity. And I think that's really important for us to grasp as Christians and as we follow Jesus, as despite what circumstances look like, what you're going through, what you've lost, you can't let that determine who you are in Christ. Because we're not always promised, I mean, a rosebed garden. Sometimes it does get hard. Well, I guess there's thorns in a rosebed garden. So yeah, maybe you are promised that sometimes. <laughs> but you have to walk through those times, good times and bad and when you let, it's tricky letting your situation de de determine your identity, I think, because on, on one end, everything can be great, and you're loving life, right? But then you kind of forget to thank God, right, that he's done that for you, and it can lead to a sense of pride, like, I've got it, I've got everything taken care of, I don't, God, I don't need to really be in the word as much, or whatever else, and, that, and that's super negative, that's super unhealthy right to have that attitude or if your situation is really really terrible and then you're like god yeah i've lost your favor completely you don't even love me you don't even care about me but we see naomi in the middle where yes the situation is tough but no matter what's going on around me i'm still going to follow god even though that um it seems like god has left her alone she continued to stand firm in knowing that the she is still his child even so much that since God was blessing Israel and giving them food, since she still identified herself as a child of God, she went there. It's like, well, if he's going to bless his children there, he's still going to bless me. Like, I know, I, still, I know who I am in God. I know that I still follow him and serve him, so he is going to take care of me despite what this all looks like. And I love that. And, and something else that jumped off the page while I was reading Ruth and studying it and praying about it that the Holy Spirit just revealed is, is how insane that Naomi impacted Ruth, like her walk with God completely changed the trajectory of Ruth's life. Because Naomi's walk with God and her character became so contagious to Ruth that no matter, no matter where Ruth would go or where Naomi would go, Ruth would follow. And whoever Naomi worshipped, Ruth would worship. And I thought that was amazing that Ruth, she knew God was real because of what she'd seen, her relationship with Naomi and Naomi's relationship with God. That's how she knew God was real. Someone that, despite what's going on, they're still trusting God and leaning on him was so contagious to Ruth that she was like, I give up everything and I'm following you because I want what you have. And in this, can we follow Naomi's example? Meaning, do you live your life in such a way that other people are attracted to how you live and they follow you as you follow Christ? And that's a big question that's a, that deserves a real answer of you getting alone with God and seeking that and reflecting how you live your life. I mean, the things that you do, how you talk, 
um, how you live in general, how you treat your spouse, how you parent, how you work, etc. Do you live in such a way that you are contagious around other people, that other people strive to live out your faith, right? Because we see it in Naomi through everything she went through that Ruth was like, I want this, I want this. And so how you talk and how you act and everything else can attract other people because how you deal with certain things shows how real Jesus is in your own life. Amen? Amen. And the second thing to really try to understand is, can you follow Christ the way Ruth chose to follow Naomi? Because she was willing to give up everything, give up her homeland, give up her old lifestyle, everything, her old habits, um, even her nation to follow Naomi. And I know that God constantly places a call on each and every one of us that, that claim to follow him, right? There's always something we could do. And it's not always, doesn't have to be something huge, like, okay, you need to go build an orphanage in Africa. And until you do that, you're not following God's call. I, I agree that that can be a big call, but also believe that every situation you find yourself in, every community you find yourself in, God has a calling for you right where you're at. And he has people that you can influence for the better. He has people that you can love and attract to Jesus because of your lifestyle and what you're doing. And it's just, do you follow God's call like that? Do you follow it the way that Ruth followed Naomi? And, and if it meant giving everything up, if it meant completely changing your lifestyle to do this, could you still do it? And that's something that I constantly have to internalize, right? And I constantly have to seek God to make sure that I'm living in a way that, that is healthy for other people to see. Do I live like Christ? Do I talk like Christ? Do I, um, everything I do, am I striving to be like Jesus? Because in those moments that we're not, I think that's where the hypocrisy and weirdness can come in. People point fingers because you're not striving to live like Jesus. And no, you cannot be perfect, but it does say to strive for protect, perfection. That is something that we need to constantly strive for. And through all of this, we see how God's love has not diminished at all towards these two. You read through the whole book, and you see that God's love is still steadfast, completely with them. We're going to jump to Ruth, chapter 2, starting at verse 2. And it says, And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was the clan of Elimelech. Verse 8, Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me. And how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done. And a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. 
This leads to our next point of how God's perfect love is gracious. And I believe that Ruth just didn't happen to, to it, like, it, it, I believe that how she ended up on Boaz's field was completely orchestrated by God in his grace and his mercy of he's completely taking care of Ruth, completely taking care of Noam by leading them to Boaz's field. He knows, God knows the situation. He knows the end from the beginning. And I believe that he completely orchestrated her to be there. And I think that as long as we continue to follow God and obey him the best that we can, he always takes care of us completely. And there's a psalm that I came across, um, Psalms 34, that, that showed this important characteristic about God's grace and mercy. Um, it's Psalms 34, starting verse 18. It is, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. And I mean, I try to, I try to imagine put myself in, in Naomi's or Ruth's shoes where they just lost their loved one. I mean, I can imagine how crushed they felt, right? And maybe a lot of you have went through that where you've lost family members, you've lost certain people in your life, and that just leaves you broken at times. And I want to encourage you that God's not far from you in those moments. And that's why as, as Christians we can love other people and encourage people and strengthen people that are going through that, especially if you've already been through it, because they need to be encouraged, they need to be helped. And so we see how God is near to the brokenhearted. He's near to people like that, and he will deliver them. He does love them. And so as we see Naomi, we'll see her perspective of her relationship with God and the favor she believes she lost to shift of where, as we read Ruth, we'll learn how God hasn't stopped loving her. God has not stopped giving her favor, and that's true in our own lives. And another thing, we can learn something very practical about how Ruth handled this situation in the fact that she went and worked. She went and got her hands dirty. She was proactive in her faith. She didn't just, God, you're going to take care of us. We're just going to move to Israel. And in our hut, manna is going to rain down from heaven. And that's how you're going to feed us, because I've read it before. But instead, she understood that God had made preparations for situations like this. God had put in his law that when you don't have food, you can go behind the people that are harvesting, and they allow you to get that food. There was already laws set in place where, yes, I love you and I'm taking care of you, but this is how I'm doing it. You've got to do your part. You've got to go pro be proactive. You can't just sit there in your house and feel sorry for yourself and never move and never follow God and take that first step. And I was trying to think. I even looked up because I didn't know what gleaning was, right? I didn't grow on a farm, okay? So I was born in Oklahoma, but that doesn't mean I'm a farm boy by any means. So gleaning is like you're going down and you're picking. Does anybody know what gleaning is? Before I explain it and just look totally weird, no? Okay, great. So I'm glad I looked this up. So you, you, the grain's on the ground, and you're going, and you're bending down, and you're picking it up and putting it in your basket. And I try to think, like, that sounds terrible. Like, that is back-breaking work. Like, we have at, at our house, it's not a giant yard, but we have to pluck weeds sometimes, especially when it's raining right? And Matt and Stacy pluck more weeds than we do. But it's, you've got to get down and continue to pick. And I think doing that all day long, right? Constantly, just so you can eat. Like she had to work hard just so she could eat. And we don't see Ruth, like it doesn't mention where she's complaining. Like, oh, this is terrible. Because she goes and tells Naomi, hey, I'm going to get us food. So she's not out in the field. Like, I can't believe Naomi can't do this. Like, why is she so ridiculous? Like, uh, she's so lazy sitting in the house waiting for me. Like, nothing of that. She is so thankful to be in that relationship. And she goes. And she works hard. And she's proactive in it. And because of that hard work, she earns a great reputation. And it leads back to Boaz. 
where, I mean, we just read of what he said of how he's like, don't go anywhere else. You can stay here. And he addresses her as daughter, which I thought was amazing because she came as a foreigner just to pick up the scraps. And now she's labeled a daughter. She is part of the family now because Boaz had made that connection with her because of her hard work and, and her loving Naomi. She is now part of this family where she can go where the other women go and not have to pick up the scraps, but she can be like everyone else. And this is in this moment where she, it says she fell down and bowed down to Boaz. Like, I don't deserve this at all. I don't deserve your grace. I don't deserve this kindness. Who am I? I'm a foreigner. I'm a Moabite. And I think a lot of times for us, when we understand the gravity of our sin and the reason why we need Jesus and the reason that he, he loves us so much and gives us so much grace that you have to go to those moments where you just you fall down on your face and you thank God for his grace and his mercy. And it's very real. It's very real to understand that and then be like, man, like I, I don't deserve. What I do deserve is hell. I do deserve punishment. I deserve to be punished for my sin. But instead, God sent his son for us so that we don't have to do that. And that's grace, undeserved grace. And it's, I, I picture that with, with Ruth of how she felt in that moment. And so Jesus gave us everything and did it purely out of love for us to truly be free and righteous. And as we go on, Ruth is instructed by Naomi to go to Boaz and ask him to be a redeemer, right? And so in this way, Naomi and Ruth would again have property and they'd have hope for a new family and position in the society, and so that happens in chapter 3, but we're going to skip to chapter 4. So Ruth 4, starting at verse 13. It says, So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And he went into her, and the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer. And may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. That's a huge compliment back then. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse the father of David. This is the same King David that we talk about in the Old Testament. It leads us to our last point of how God's perfect love is redeeming. And I look at this redeemer. Boaz was the redeemer. And in this story, the dude is a hero. Like, if you really study it and look at it, Boaz is an awesome, awesome man of God, especially in the story not only was he taking care of Ruth and Naomi, but he doesn't ever hesitate to act. He sees, okay, I need to do this, and he does it immediately. He doesn't wait for it or, oh, I'm going to go pray about it. He saw the need. He saw Ruth's need. He saw how she was working hard and immediately was like, hey, you're one of us. It's okay. I'm going to do the right thing. Even to the point where Ruth goes to ask him to be the redeemer, he doesn't say, oh, let me think about it. You know, I'm not sure. Because it says that he, he, he respected Ruth, right? And so he likes her. He's probably already loving her at this point. And God set in place his law so that he could redeem her family. 
But instead of just doing it, the law was the closest relative does it. So he goes out of his way to find this relative and ask, hey, do you want this property? You also have to marry this woman, Ruth, and everything else, and, and goes through the channels, like completely follows God's law to a T, but obeys God completely. And the man ends up like, no, I'll let you go ahead. And he does it in front of witnesses and then goes back, and then he ends up marrying Ruth. And so I look at that, that he, he didn't take control of the situation, even his own mind. I mean, because he could have easily been like, well, I like Ruth, and I'm a close relative, and I'll just do it. Instead, he decided it was more important to follow God's law and to obey God to the best of his ability. And I think it's important to us when we know what's right, how we should follow God, we should do that. And not like, well, I think it's okay if I do it this way instead of doing exactly how God wants me to do it, because I think that's dangerous. And that's the question, are you type of the person, are you a type of person that does their best to do what is right, whether it's convenient or not? So I think a lot of times doing the right thing is inconvenient, inconvenient. Inconvenient's not a word. <laughs> it's not a word, guys. But doing the right thing and going out of your way and loving people is oftentimes, it's, it's hard to do that. I mean, do you, do you agree with me in that? With some people that you feel like deserve a smacking, like you have to love them, right? And other people that don't deserve the grace and mercy or whatever. And I think it's important that when we have those moments, we have those people. Because I've definitely had those people in my life. But it's, it's, guess what? I don't deserve God's grace either. And I don't deserve his love. And I don't deserve him being so good to me. And I don't deserve him placing me in this church with all you awesome people. But yet he did it. And he does it because he loves us. And so when we see those people, it's really good to look at like, okay, they do deserve God's love. I should be kind to them, even if it's inconvenient, and even if you get uncomfortable, guess what? The Holy Spirit's called the comforter for a reason, because he helps you. He enables you to do that. He enables you to love people and seek after people. And I think another deep principle I got from this um, while I was reading it is a lot of times I think we serve God so that we can be blessed personally, right? If I do this, God is going to bless me because I love him, you know, I, I do the right thing. But we see in this that Boaz played out a different principle, and it was that our obedience to God can shape someone else's future for the better, and our obedience can give someone else a better life. Because of Boaz being obedient to God in redeeming Ruth and Naomi, he set their life on a different trajectory. Now they're no longer homeless. Now they have family again. Now they have property again. And that was amazing to me because I think the way we obey God and the way we handle rough circumstances in our lives or rough situations, we show others how real Jesus is, how we handle things, how we love people. And a lot of times how we obey God, it, it strengthens other people. It strengthens their faith. And knowing that, man, they went through all that and they're still loving God, still believing God, still obeying him. God can get me through this completely. Or on the opposite end of people that aren't even saved at all, have never claimed Jesus as our Lord, have never taken him as our Lord. But they see other people, they have that friend that is a Christian and they've gone through terrible stuff and they continue to follow God. And there's something different. Like what Ruth saw in Naomi, there's something different that they have that I want and in you living and just being obedient to God and doing what he tells you to do can encourage someone to trust Jesus for the very first time. And that's amazing. 
what a great, great reward we'll get in heaven. Or think of all the people that you can see once we get to heaven of, of because of you just obeying God and doing what God called you to do. So many people trusted Jesus. That's awesome. If that doesn't get you happy, something is wrong with you and you need to pray. Just saying. But I did see a lot of smiles, so that's good. <clears throat> so in Ruth, it's, I really love the book. And I think it's, I love the happy ending that it has. Because not every book of the Bible always has a happy ending. Some of them can sound super depressing, right? But in Ruth, it's a great read. And it's only five chapters, which is even awesome, right? And so it starts out with this woman who basically she's lost everything. But through it, right, she continues to walk and be obedient to God. And God just replenishes everything back to her. And that's like, that's encouraging to me to see God does that and still continues to do that. And because of their faith, and because of like Naomi's faith, led Ruth into a relationship with God. Boaz's faith, he redeemed the family, and now they were grafted in to be the ancestors of King David, which is awesome. But even more important that they're grafted into the lineage of Jesus. They're direct ancestors of Jesus, our Lord. And you look at Ruth, and she was a Moabite, and she was not supposed to be in that lineage, right? It doesn't make sense. She's not Israelite. She's not God's chosen. But because of her faith, she's grafted into God's kingdom. And I think that's so great about us today that we get that privilege to be grafted into God's kingdom. And we can be God's child because we simply trust Jesus and thank him and accept his gift that he's already done. He's already done the hard part. Already done the hard part. And at the core of this book, it foreshadows how Jesus chose to redeem us. And I looked at redeem. What does redeem mean? Right? So the definition that I found is to redeem means to gain or regain possession in exchange for payment. So that's what it means by Jesus redeeming us, is he buys us back because of what he did on the cross. He paid the debt. He paid the penalty. I've heard it often. There's an evangelist I listen to that goes out and talks to people and shares the gospel. And he talks about how, on the, the say it's like a courtroom, right? And God's the judge. And you come in and you have all these fines, right? And you can't pay it. How could you pay it? How could you pay for your sin, right? How could you give God anything that could redeem you or make you clean? And Jesus comes in as your lawyer and just wipes it clean like, I've already paid the debt. And that's how you're grafted into the kingdom. And I just love that Jesus is our ultimate redeemer. Because of what he did, it's not based on our works or anything else, but it's simply because of who he is and what he is. And there's a lot of times in my life where I personally, um, I have those weird moments where I doubt, like, am I worthy of God's love? Like, maybe I've messed up in a big way or said something I wish I regretted or did something I regretted. And I'm just like, what's the point? Like, why would God want to redeem me, right? Why would he love me? And in those moments, I often go back and the Holy Spirit always reminds me of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he's just... And at this point, he's alone. His disciples are supposed to be praying, but they're sleeping. And he's, he's sweating so much that it's like he's sweating blood. And he's just, he knows what's about to happen. He knows he's about to be mocked. He knows he's about to be beaten and abused and end up dying. But more importantly, he knows he's about to have separation from God for the first time ever in existence. He was going to be separated from God because he was going to take all the weight of sin and shame and death on himself personally. And I just, I try to picture him in that garden, and he's wrestling with it. And he's like, God, I don't, you know what? I do not want to do this. Because he's fully God, fully man, right? 
And so he can understand the temptation. He can understand pain. He understands all of that. And I try to think in that moment, like how, how difficult that was for him to continue to go through it. And he does. And he says, God, I don't want this, but your will be done. And I think that's another key thing that we can get from this is that, especially when we don't want to do the right thing or follow God, that we are supposed to follow Jesus' example. And even when it hurts, especially when it hurts, to continue to trust God. And we see Jesus, he could have easily said no. And like, you know what? They're not worth it. They're not worth it. But he didn't. Instead, we are worth it because he said we are. And that's amazing. That's amazing that everything that he went through, I mean, you're worth every drop of blood that came down from it. You're worth all the sweat. You're worth all the pain because he deems you worthy. And the simple thing, all we have to do is accept him and just be grateful. Like, thank you, God, that you loved me enough. And I know in my life, when I was away from God, when my parents divorced to up till I was 25 years old, I completely rejected God, hated God, hated Christians. But I still had people praying for me. And that's also important, I think, for you to recognize, right? Is that those people that that aren't saved, that don't trust Jesus, that even seem completely against Christianity, that you continue to intercede on their behalf. Because I know 100% that I didn't go through half of what I had to go through because people were praying for me. And especially, I had a grandma that prayed for me. Anyone have those praying grandmas? Is anybody? Yes? And she would just continually pray and pray. And with my aunts and uncles, a lot of times, and, and just people in my life that claimed they were Christian, they were so quick to judge me or snicker at me of the terrible things I was doing. And granted, I was not living a good life by any means. But my grandma, every time she saw me, she loved me and hugged me and just continued to say, I'm praying for you. I love you. And that just erected me when I finally came to Jesus and realized because of her prayers and other people praying that I was saved from so much more than I had to go through. So I want to encourage you in that, is that the people that you're praying for, whether it's kids or, or whoever, family members, friends, that you don't give up because they need your prayers. They need your prayers. And that's something that we get the honor and privilege to do as Christians is to intercede for people. And if you're not praying for someone or someone else, then maybe you've got to take the microscope off yourself a little bit and think about someone else. Think about other people. Love other people and pray for them because there's a lot of people, especially in this community, that do not know Jesus. There's a lot of people in your life. There's a lot of families, a lot of friends that are on their way to hell. Like today, if they died today, they have eternal separation from their creator forever. That is scary. Scares me to death. And, and I think by you praying and interceding on their behalf, they have a chance, right? They have some covering. They have people seeking God. And Jesus does not stop pursuing people. He doesn't stop. He will continue to pursue, continue to pursue, as long as they're still on this earth. Amen? So I just want to encourage you in that. And then just, just to be thankful. I mean, I know I'm thankful, but I'm sure you're thankful of, of what Jesus has done in your life and how his love for you the same way it was for Ruth and Naomi is that his love is steadfast. It doesn't change. He continues to love you even when you mess up. He continues to be gracious. He blesses you more than you deserve, right? And he continues to redeem not only you and your life and things that you mess up, but other people around you that you're praying for. Amen?
Thank you for listening to the SMCC Sermon Podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at smcchurch.net. That's smcchurch.net.